You've found it, and we are ready to rise with you. Rise with Sid McNary. This podcast is an extension of the Art of Peaceful Living movement. Get ready to enjoy, be empowered, and elevate your life as we rise together. Grab your beverage of choice. No matter where you are, the time is now. Here he is, your leader for a better today. Rise with Sid McNary. It's time we start living your dream. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for coming in. We are here in the Art of Peaceful Living, and this room is an extension of a room that we had last week that was, it's almost over, and we're continuing on that conversation and just where things will continue to move from, and it really just comes down to when that thought came of it's almost over as soon as that thought enters into the moment for myself or for anyone it actually causes a space of it's over now that is the precursor to what is coming and so wanted to really hey glenn glad you're here and good to know that you're live and well and here And so that's where we are, really just stepping into what is coming after it's almost over. Now that it's over, what is it going to really look like? And and so as I I jump into this, this conversation and this thought, the first thing for me is really living into the creator that I am and the space of ownership for how things have been. Like, Yesterday, I got to go speak to 500 kids from three years old up and through sixth grade. I think that's 12. And they're many of their parents and their teachers. And I knew that not only was I speaking to them because they were going to be there, I was speaking to the janitor that could walk by. I was speaking to the principal that there to lead the whole shift. I was there to speak to everyone, anyone that could be in the hearing of it, but also embrace the energy of it. And it was amazing because I, I, I stayed away from talking about myself and speaking to them. And then the rest of the day, all these little kids were coming up asking me to sign their shirts. And so I know that we have a great world. That's what I know. And in knowing that we have a great world, right here, right now, it's up to me to pull from the past, plant the seeds in in the future, and watch them continue to become the now instantly. And so that's that's the continuation of this this conversation for me. And and I'm gonna pass it to Glenn and Michelle to speak into what's the next level of this conversation. Is it over yet? I'll pass it to you all. Thanks. Michelle, you go ahead. I'll follow you, honey. Okay. Boy, I just had a devil of the time getting out of like, I was trying to invite people into the room. And for some reason, um, you know, it, you know how you have to like kind of slide it down to get back into the room. It wouldn't let me slide down. I was was resisting so much. (laughs) Anyway, 
I just want to say I'm so excited to see everybody in the room. Hey, Sattva and Scott, Lee, Kelly, Kevin, Sarah, Lori, yay, so many people in here. Thank you um, a ton for being the contribution that you are and being here um, because this room was really magical when we had it. Like, was it last week? It seems like it was a lifetime ago already. Uh, and what I think is so wonderful about the room is that it is the ingredients of it are you guys. Um, because you actually create the energy and the intent for us to feel, you know, really present. And for myself, at least, I'll just say for myself, really urgent about the conversation. So I think there are certain conversations in life that, you know, they almost demand an urgency to them because they are so vital the the aliveness of that communication is so important that we pass it on amongst each other and you know i think about before there were telephones before we had what was it that they used to have in the wild west morse code or you know like even millennia ago everything that was important was a conversation it was a communication and this is a topic that people really don't really dive into that much. And I see it as a topic of transformation because it's, it, is it over yet? You know, uh, or it's almost over is talking about transformation. It's talking about movement from one reality to another, from, from one way of being to another, from one set of certainties to another, to, you know, and how is that that we be? during that moment you know what what are we made of during times where we aren't the story about what we've been having and we're becoming the story of something else or someone else what i love about being a human being is we aren't human doings we aren't fixed we are energetically capable of transforming our beingness and glenn knows this Glenn has transmuted and transformed himself into extraordinary characters every day, all day. And it's incredible to give ourselves that permission to author and invent, to be the crucible of a new way of being, of a new conversation, and to also honor what we have had in that point while honoring what we are having and what we will have. So I'll start there and I'll just pass the mic right on over to Glenn, but I just wanted to say I'm super happy to be in this conversation. I would love if you guys would invite some more people in because this conversation is just going to get really ripe. All right, to you, Glenn. Love you. Well, I love you too. And I love your optimism about the conversation getting really ripe. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, you know, and to step into that, you know, I find, uh, I have a, a little three letter acronym, uh, for what I more often than not see. And I'm talking about certainly in the upper 90 percentile when I witness human behavior and I am a chronic witnesser because our job is to witness and replicate as actors. That's what we do. We observe life, we witness behavior and we replicate. And what I see invariably is uh, HOD, which is habit on display. Habit on display. 
And we see it again and 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 again. And it's very rare when someone tells you their story that they're speaking from the now. Very rare. The typical pattern is to speak from yesterday and sadly, yesteryear. But they're declaring its isness. There's a good word for us in this workshop. Its isness. And they're regurgitating the past and making sure that it stays true for them again today. But there's an analogy that in the room I did not offer last week that I would love to offer this week. And it's, I don't know that there's a more beautiful one for living in who it is we are becoming. Living into who it is we are becoming. A quarterback in the NFL never throws the ball to the receiver. Listen very carefully. They throw the ball to where the receiver is headed. They don't throw the ball to the player. They throw it to where the player has not yet reached, knowing that by the time the ball arrives, so too will the player. There's an expression for it. It's called leading the receiver. To lead the receiver. And it's so beautiful when you use that quarterbacking technique in your interactions with people to lead the receiver. Don't lead to who they used to be. That's worst case scenario. Lead to who they're becoming. Best case scenario. And if you lead right in the moment, unless both of you are standing still, you will be behind the target because the target is in motion. To your point, Michelle, to your point. And I absolutely love that. I absolutely love the idea. And so the action steps we're taking, the thoughts, the plans, the strategies, the methodologies, all of those are leading into the receiver that we are. And isn't that even a great word? The receiver. The receiver. We call them receivers. How much of a receiver do you see yourself to be? These were things I was talking about the other day in my talk in Fort Worth. And that audience, you could have heard a mouse peeing on cotton. It was beautiful. Just beautiful to remember that we can lean into receiving. And we're going to receive what's ahead of us. We're not going to receive what's behind us. I'm going to use a southern accent here and say, we done already received that. And if we didn't like what we received, then why are we still telling that story? Why are we telling the story to ourselves and anyone who is willing to listen to us? Wasn't it bad enough then? If we didn't like it then, why would we think we're going to like it now or that today has any interest whatsoever in being contaminated by the stories of our awful past? That's not why today is here. Today is here to be brand spanking new and today is here for us to lean forward into our receivingness. That's what I've got for now, guys. Sid, back to you. 
I'll come in since Sid didn't just for a second, just to add one thing, which is uh, I often say we have a story because the story happened has already happened, right? Uh, but we aren't our story. We are not that thing. Uh, and I think that that's so important to recognize because a lot of times uh, I noticed in my own life and the people that I coach and have been in trainings with, we're really attached to that story because we think the story brings us credibility sometime, somehow or that the story, you know, uh, is the thing that's important about who we are. We think we don't are not enough if we aren't telling that story. And I think, you know, it's okay to have one, but we are not simply, uh, that is not who we are. So I just wanted to throw that in there. Now I'll pass the mic back to Sid. Sorry, Sid, I saw you came came back in. Oh, no worries. I, I gave space because, you know, it allowed me not to trip over you and you to add to this conversation in the beautiful ways that you do. And so welcome everybody. Uh, we're here in the Art of Peaceful Living and I love how Glenn calls this a workshop because for me, this is an opportunity for myself, Michelle, Glenn, and everyone in here that has begun to come to really step into this moment and allow this moment to add to where we're going. And so when Glenn, I don't know if he, he likely did this on purpose yet. When he talked about quarterbacks and receivers, I mean, my ears, my heart, my energy, everything lit up because that's my greatest gift has been coaching receivers. Baby, I know you're a football <laughs> coach. Come on with it. And so when I look at this and I, I used to, we'd sit in meetings and I'd be like, all right, we got two players here. We got a receiver that is moving and angles matter. And we got a quarterback that needs to lead him because if it's behind him, it's, we got less opportunity for him to catch it. And if he hits him in stride, we turn this one into six immediately. And so I, I love that, that, that you get that. And we're so well illustrated as you shared that. And what I'll say for as we, as I am the quarterback of my life is I often talk to the quarterbacks that I coach about having imagination because where he is, isn't where he's going. So you had to have the imagination to see it, especially if you launch the ball yards behind him and he's going to end up catching it at 50 when he's only at 30 and right now. So you've got to lead and have the imagination of where someone is going. And that, that showed up yesterday in my speech to uh, the school was the imagination that this is where you are and it's all coming from the thought. And if you allow yourself space to know the thought, what's possible then? And and I challenge those children to do better than what you've been given. Do better than what you've been given. That's all of us. And, and so many people got that, that if I win, if you win, we win. And we all win when any of us have stepped forward 
into our greatness. And so when it comes to, you know, I, I went to this and I, I really, it's not about me when I'm speaking. It's not about what I've done in my past. And the intro, although it was grand and, and it was awesome, the intro wasn't it. It's what can I give? What's the one thing that I can add into someone right now and see them accelerate in the moments? And that, that's why I love being in this space with the two of you is I know that I can hesitate and give space for either one of you to speak into this moment because the moment has just elevated. So thank you both. And, and I'm going to pause there with have some imagination beyond where we are right now so that we can see and be where we are living into in this next moment. Because this moment's already over. I'll pass it on to either one of you. Thanks. Peace. Well, let's open our mics and create a mad rush for the stage. And until people get yes. up here to start talking, we could enjoy a few moments of being human pausings. Yes, I love that. <laughs> let's, let's bring it. I see some people I think would want to come up on this stage right now. I'm going to I'm going to intend people them who to are come frothing. Up. Michelle, they are frothing at yes, the mouth, frothing at the at the at the button. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I, I wanted yeah, to add up one thing. This stage. I wanted to add one thing too, which I think is so important because it's like I was saying earlier, it's like we are the crucible. Like we we it we have the power that we are is so monumental that my brain cannot for myself, I don't know if anybody else has really tried, like if you just can tap into the energy the frequency that we're surrounded by all the time, you can see how much power we actually have. And I think sometimes uh, people have a really, um, I don't know, artificial relationship with, you know, ending with, with, you know, is it over yet? Like kind of figuring out like, how am I going to get to the next place? And I think it's because so much of the time we are forgetting to remember the extraordinary um, potential, aptitude, uh, inventiveness, cre creativity that we are as human beings. And I, I can't know what it is to be like a, a deer being. I can't know what it is to be a rat being. Uh, I don't know what their potential is. I can only look around me uh, at the environment and see what they've been able to create. And I think sometimes we forget that this, that this is such a gift. So I just thought I'd pass that in there while we bring up some peaks. Michelle, uh, let me just uh, modify that to say that you know very well how to be a dear being. Oh, I'm just giving you a hug. <laughs> Thank you. You are most assuredly a dear being. <laughs> And I, I just love that we had all three mics open. Just added something to this. As long as we're not having the somehow, just as I said, that we're starting to get feedback. And uh, the beauty of that to me is that 
I love that we were able to be who we are in the pause between each other's speaking. That we were able to let go of the need to mute in order to hear one another. I think that's such a critical piece to this conversation is a deep listening to myself that is also listening to you all and hearing everyone up. And and welcome Lee and Jason and Sattva and, and Celeste and Lori to the stage. Love to hear how this is showing up on your heart as we talk about last week's conversation. It's almost over. And this one, is it over yet? And I'm gonna leave it open for anyone. Thanks, peace. All right, well, I will hop right in since I'm on an opportune break in my work day. And always good to uh, share space with all of you. As I was listening to the conversation, you know, and talking about, um, you know, leading the receiver and <laughs> being, avail being available to be a receiver. Yeah, is it over yet? For me, it brought up it brought up an image for like one of my favorite. I love to play golf, and I grew up, you know, playing golf. I was on the golf team in high school and continued to play. And one of my favorite movies about golf, more so about life, uh, is a little movie called Bagger Vance. And in that, it's about it's very much about self rediscovery and reclaiming a sense of being and and letting things be over, letting the past be in the past so that I can live in this moment. We talk about seeing the field and seeing life as it is, seeing life as it is intended, seeing past the appearance and, and feeling feeling into the moment and feeling my way into the future and getting in touch with the beauty that is the potential in all of us and connecting with that so much so that everything else falls away. But the noise, the chatter, everything else disappears into the background. so that I can connect with and be present with myself, my life, be present with where I am and where I am headed, to connect with the patterns. And that's, you know, and that's what I just strive to do moment to moment, no matter what I'm doing. Like today, I'm, today I'm painting walls for a little while. Earlier, I was fixing some things and <clears throat> talking on Clubhouse and being present on Clubhouse and doing what I can to help lift people up, help inspire people to be more than they have been before. Because that's what I'm called to do. That's the gift that I've been given. Is to inspire others to just simply be present because by being present we open ourselves to love we open ourselves to beauty to achievement to fulfillment to success to
to whatever it is that is on our hearts to become. And we get to name that. Because like Sid likes to say, you know, we are we are creator at the center of our life. And to be the powerful creator is to be present, to be at peace, to embrace joy. And to be enthusiastic about just being wherever we are doing whatever we're doing. So I love being here with you guys. I loved last week and this week as well. And I'm just really excited to be here with all of you. Thank you. Lee, thank you. And I have to say, you strike me as someone who, whether you're joyous or pissed off, you probably sound the same. <laughs> I love you. I just love you. Oh, and by the way, Glenn, Fort Worth is like one of the most, one of the most favorite cities I have ever lived in. And I lived there for 13 years. I'm oh, you did? Wow. Yeah, I lived in yeah Fort Worth and uh, a little town called Joshua, about 20 miles south of there. I know where Joshua is. Yes, sir. Uh, I spoke... The other morning, um, on Tuesday morning, I spoke in the what was at that time many years ago called the Hotel Texas, which is where Kennedy gave his last speech. Ah, in yes. the very ballroom where the breakfast was, wow. and so those walls are filled with history. And then later that day, not Tuesday, but later that day on Friday, November the twenty second of nineteen sixty three. After that breakfast, um, I stood within 15 feet of John F. Kennedy uh, when he came to Dallas for the parade. And I was a little boy. It was right before my fifth birthday. And I remember the details. And I don't want to sidestep, but it's very special for me to come full circle. And it was really interesting to see um, President Kennedy, his uh, statue out there in front of what is now the Hilton uh, this beautiful bronze statue with all of these photos. And it's very special to me when you can look at a photo and link that photo to the past, which is standing right in front of you, meaning that the windows of this hotel are quite unique. And the windows of the hotel that were behind uh, John Kennedy in this beautiful black and white, large black and white photo are the windows that are about 30 feet behind that picture as you look over and connect history and realize you're standing right where he made that speech. And it was an extraordinary, an extraordinary day. Thank you uh, for your peaceful share, Lee. Always such a massive contributing presence. And to that end, I want to jump onto the word contribution because as we take a look at uh, the overness of something, right, the overness, when when I hear, you know, I just, I just, I just want it to be over. I just want it to be over. I just want it to be over. As though the overness fairy is going to come wave a magic wand over one's life. So the question becomes, while we may want it to be over, are we facilitating its overness? Come on with it. Are we facilitating its overness or are we facilitating its elongation? Are we elongating the experience of the thing we don't want by creating the opportunity for it to continue to exist? Are we doing that? So are we facilitating, and I'm going to ask, 
I'm hoping that many of you, in a perfect world, all of you, would do at least rooms of this ilk with a pen in hand. And then also, as you come to the stage, give us reason to have our pen in hand so that all of us can become quotable. Everyone in this room is a quotable human being to the extent that you choose to engage that. Every one of you are quotable. I One of my uh, coachings this week in class was to quit over-revering others. And let me clarify. I, I want you actors in my group, I want you, this is me a few days ago saying, I want you to stop seeing celebrities as automatically being more capable than you are. There are some of you who are new that are not yet at that level of proficiency, but many of you are ready, hear me loud and clear, to work right now with anyone, anywhere. I'm talking the biggest of stars. You can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them right now unless you think you can't. And as President Roosevelt said, whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Right. Whether Come you think you can or think you can't, you're right. You get to be right about that. So are you, are you leaning into how capable are you and are you leaning to facilitating its overness, whatever you're ready to have end? So maybe you're ready to have your low self-esteem or your poor self-talk end today. So are you providing, are you facilitating? I guess that's the word that I'm wanting us to focus on today because I, I know of its healing power. That when we understand we have the primary role, not a primary, the primary role in the continuation or the discontinuation of anything based on the space we hold for it in consciousness. So when someone whines to me and says, I just want it to be over, then my response is, are you facilitating its overness? Or are you just wanting the overness fairy to wave a wand? Are you playing the role in it ending if you're ready for it to end, does it look like that from your behavioral choices? Because you've been singing this same song for a very long time, which is not facilitating its overness. So I, I do believe you that you want it to be over, but I also want you to know that you're not ready for it to be over until you stop telling the old story that you want to end. It can't end while you're telling it. That might be the keeper of the day. The story can't end while you're telling it. You can't do what you've decided you can't do, right? I don't know if that came out right. You can't go on to do what you've decided you can't do is what I meant to say. Yes, yes. Right? When you've decided that you can't do that, it's like we, we had in a room the other day, said, if I may hold the mic for one more minute. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in the room the other day, there was a title, and I'm not attacking the room. I'm just clarifying the power of words. And it was, um, oh, gosh, was it 
Michelle, help me. It was something your your challenges or challenging your oh gosh, it was in the breakfast room. I can't remember it now either. Uh, yeah. So and yep, and my I response know, know. was that look. you're 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 too late for that. You're too late for that, and the reason is because you have already decided that they're yours. You've already decided that they're yours. Was challenging your was it short it wasn't shortcoming Sid you were in the room challenging your your limits maybe your limitations that's it thank you <laughs> bing 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 you know i knew if we came at it from three angles at least we'd come up with it yes yes so challenging your limitations and and here's what i'm saying you can't you can't challenge your limitations because you've already decided that they're yours so you can challenge limitation, and this is not simple wordplay. This is a consciousness issue. So yes, this is the sound of a very passionate voice who gets jacked up on this topic. The moment you've accepted them as your limitations, then you can't challenge them until you get rid of that word, your. Or in, in the unique individual's case, my. I can't challenge my limitations. What I can do is challenge limitations but I can't challenge my limitations because I've already accepted them as limitations. Heck yeah. I, I want to make sure face. that's landing for, for everyone and that you don't, I, I just want to make sure that that's clear. We've got to be careful about what we've decided to own. What have we decided to own? And it's all connected, Sid. This is, it's so interwoven. Huh. <sighs> Yeah, I'm gonna, no, I'm gonna I, just I, mute I, myself I because I'm uh, I'm very close to having an orgasm right now. <laughs> Bravo! I, I, I dig that. And yeah. it's, Woo! You no, know, I, I want to. Uh, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and and notice I I just dropped the idea of one, and I'll circle back to that in a moment. Welcome everybody. We're in this room. It's the art of peaceful living. We're talking about a conversation that's moving from last week to now from it's almost over it's over is it over yet and here we are and so when it comes to this ownership of limitation yes agreed and i i agree that's a big one to let land the idea of a problem that isn't an immediate threat is ownership to something that isn't happening the Ownership of a limitation is holding on to something that isn't really happening in anything other than a creation in the moment. So by taking ownership of how I choose to use my words creates the experience that I am stepping in always. The idea of wanting something continues to tell the universe and whatever you want to call it that you don't have it. And so for me, when I became, when I stepped into being desireless, there was a sense of peace that came over me that said, oh, if I own being desireless, then everything that I desire, if I'm desireless, has to be here now. So when I, when I flash to 
where I am in 2028. I am it right now. It isn't a want. It isn't a limit. There's no limitation to me getting there. I am it now. I've actually, I could go do it right now in this moment in 2024. I have already chosen that it's 2020, 2028, 2020, 2028. It's such a big thing to me that allows me space to create my life is I am the creator and everything that I say is creating this moment. So I, I must own it fullest. And, and I want to go over to Jason because uh, I know Jason has a, does a heck of a job with this in his own life. And then we'll come over to you, Sattva and Lori. I know you guys have been on miking. Please know that this is a this is going this is a podcast. Last week you can go and, and actually go on iTunes and listen to the podcast Rise with Sid McNair and Glenn and Michelle and, and everybody else that comes up. So if you happen to have a lot of feedback, I'm letting you know I'm gonna cut it out. Because <laughs> it's just the way it is. So Come hey, Sid. <laughs> Sid, yes, that was sir. beautiful, but random, random share, random question. Yes. When someone breaks up with a dude named Mike, are they unmiking? They are unmiking. Or are they dropping they the mic? It. Yeah, they're dropping the mic. Yes. <laughs> yes, they're dropping the mic. That's that's even better. Well, who's gonna pick the mic up? <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question. <laughs> By the way, I want to bust myself. I inadvertently said Teddy Roosevelt, and then I remembered in mid-sentence that I was talking about a quote that came from Henry Ford. But surely at some point, Teddy Ford must have said something similar to that. But yes, actually it was, uh, uh, it was Henry Ford. carry a big stick, I think. Yeah, that's right? correct. Uh, but Henry Ford is the one that said, whether we think we can or think we can't, we're right. And uh, which is a modification of an actual Bible verse. So Henry Ford didn't make it up. Henry Ford rewrote it and modernized it. But the original saying is that it is done according to the belief. And the original verse happens to be, and I, thankfully I didn't have to look this up. It's part of, of knowing and connecting the dots because I am an active speaker um, often. And that reference uh, which could be modernized gender-wise because it says, as a man thinketh, as a man thinketh in his own heart, so is he. So that's where Henry Ford uh, got that idea is from a Bible verse which he rewrote so that it would be more modern. Anyway, a little, uh, little information for you there. That's a great correction, and don't call me Shirley. <laughs> Jason, light it up, baby. <laughs> love you, brother. I always love just sitting back with a notepad and a and a pen when you're talking, brother. It's uh, always an honor to be in your presence. And Sid and Lee, and I mean, this is like the most peaceful room ever. And I have no idea why I get invited um, because it's not a word that I <laughs> that I align with very but much. You are love, I, brother. You are love. <laughs> you are I am love. love, but I but peace, you know, I, and I've thought about this a lot because I have so much respect for you, Michelle, Sid, Glenn, Lee, like the people that that truly do 
you know, make things peaceful for people and, and the, even the, the t- tone and tenor of your voice. And, and it's, and it's fascinating that, that as I've thought about it and as I was listening to you today, I thought, you know, I, I'm a, I'm at war pretty much from the time I wake up until the time I go to bed. I even think I'm at war in my dreams sometime. And, and I thought about, but, but I'm also extraordinarily like peaceful and, 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 and settled, not, not peaceful because I'm, I'm trying to use the word of the room. I don't want to bastardize it by trying to, to be a sycophant with the word because that's not really the word, but I'm, I'm settled. Um, I am, I feel grounded in the wars and the battles that I'm fighting. And, and I thought as Glenn was, was talking and he was saying the story can't end while you're telling it. It's the, the war that I find myself in why I'm grounded is because I believe that the war that I'm fighting is a righteous fight. And, and therefore I'm standing on, on God's ground. You know, I'm standing on Jesus's word. I'm standing on the Bible in, in the battles that I'm only fighting in response to God's call on my life, would I rather be doing something else in my, you know, in my, my worldly mind? Oh, yes. I I would much rather be retired to an Island and just kind of kicking back and drinking Mai Tais and doing those types of things, but that's not what we're called for. And, and I find that there, you know, in this piece, right, this piece, I feel the, the thing, whether it's, it's the tone and tenor or the voice or the word piece, there's, there's something that everybody that I just mentioned has in common, and it's a necklace that I wear that says the most powerful weapon on earth is the human heart set on fire. And how that fire burns in each one of us is, is as unique as the 8 billion souls that walk this earth right now. And so we get into judgment and we get into, uh, you know, judging other people or, or comparing their life to our life and, and what a distraction that becomes rather than just saying, you know what? I, I met Sid. We had a conversation. I fell in love with the guy and yeah, his word is peace. My, my peace, my word is not peace, but he's on fire because, because he's, he's wanting to serve. He's on, he's on fire for service. Glenn, all he does is serve. I got the blessing to sit in on one of his classes and that, you know, Lord willing, I'm going to be able to sit on a bunch more, but, but the, the constant service that flows out of you is a determination of whether you're in alignment with your walk because nobody else's genuinely matters. I believe that if you're genuinely in alignment with your walk, then it can only graduate to the concept that you are, and must be in service to feel the joy that you seek. And when you're in service of other people, walls drop, right? We, we stop bombs from dropping. We stop the need for bullets. We stop the need for, for conflict because when, when uh, enough of us, when that tipping point comes, that enough of us hear these rooms, hear from the people that are speaking, accept the responsibility to be a servant, then the need, we make the leaders that are corrupt. We make the decisions that are corrupt. We make the greed that is corrupt. We make the wars that are corrupt. We make them irrelevant 
by our human beingness, right? By, as Glenn likes to put it, we make them irrelevant. We can be at war with con- competing ideas when those competing ideas are meant to create a friction that starts a fire of innovation that makes things better for everybody on the face of the planet. As opposed to, I'm right, you're wrong, I must destroy you for my rightness to be more than your rightness. And so as I, as I think about this, there's a, there's a moment, and, and then I'm going to be done, but there's a moment that I notice and I've been paying extraordinary attention to that I believe that all of us should hear and maybe contemplate and maybe think about in our own lives. When we see something with our eyeballs in front of us, whether it's a story about human trafficking, domestic violence, uh, hunger, uh, you know, any, any sort of, of taking advantage of those that are less fortunate. When we see that, I've just noticed there's in this pause, and this is what brought it up in my mind, um, Sid, when you were talking about the pause. There's a pause that happens and that I watch collectively that throughout time in history, there in that pause, somebody said, I'm going to do something. And then they did in small ways, in big ways, in books, in, you know, in actions, with their money, with all their... They, they saw something that needed them to step in, and they, and they did something about it. And I believe that we're in a time when that, what happens in that pause, what I'm seeing in our society right now is in that pause, what we collectively are thinking is somebody else will do something about it. And I would just love it if this whole room of people that are here and whoever we talk to in the future is that we see that pause as God's call and a responsibility on our life to risk and sacrifice for someone that needs us to show up for them. And in so doing, we become less selfish and more selfless and more full of love. And it expands the capability for us to change the world, whether it's the word peace or it's the word, your heart's on fire, whatever your word is for you, that creates a, a beast of service, I think we could change the world together. And that's why I'm with Sid. And that's why I'm with Michelle. And that's why I'm with Glenn. And I'm, I'm there whenever my phone rings, if they ever need anything, that's why I'm here. I love y'all. Thanks. You know, Jason, wow. First of all, I'd just like to pause. To end the Every, room right now, because it was just... brilliant. Pause. Yeah, just let's just pause in the silence so we can soak some of that beingness up. That is, uh, that is a heart on fire. Um, and you know, Jason, when you said, "Well, you know, this piece," and I, I get it, but I'm, I'm an about war because I'm up to something because you're, you're a servant leader. Because there's a calling, and I think about Joan of Arc, and I think about that space that I think each of us finds at various points in their life, where we understand that peace comes from surrender into the value that we are. And from that value, from that value, we can hear the messages the messages of the callings, the whispers, as 
Glenn will attest to. And, and I just know for myself that you, Jason, are a servant leader and that warriorness is the potential of your vision. It's all that energy of the potential of your vision calling you forward, the potential of your vision. And all of us get that. We've had moments where we feel the potential of our vision calling us forward. And it, it is does feel like peace because we are centered, because we are whole and complete and in integrity. So Jason, like for me to you, I am hearing integrity, integrity and in your beingness aligned with your calling. And in that integrity, there can only be out of being whole and complete, as Sid says, as being desireless in a way. We are full. And in fullness, there is peace and being centered. And, you know, I think also out of your being in my life, I also find a certainty. There's a certainty in the love that you have for the calling that you have and that certainty and that love just emanate acceptance. Like, I don't know. I'm not saying acceptance of what isn't right. I'm talking about acceptance of acceptance of life. And so you're an invitation, Jason. I just wanted to say that to you, a total invitation. And I want to jump in real quick as uh and hand it over to Satva next and and Glenn if you want to say something before I before Satva that's great I will say first Jason I love you and warriors recognize warriors that regardless of the fact that I'm a warrior in the garden warriors recognize warriors so it's it's easy for us to relate because we see each other and I see you and I appreciate you and I love you and and peace may not be your word because often in the space that you are moving through, you're looking for the war. Now, you brought up my brother, my brother Jesus. And when John was following him, you know, the first thing that John noted is when he said, I'm going to write about my brother Jesus. The first thing he said, John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And I even talked to those kids yesterday I was speaking to about that. Because one of them, I said, I, w I asked this question of them. What creates everything? First person said, my heart. And I was like, yeah, well, did you create, the, did your heart create the tree? And he paused, and he was like, well, no. <laughs> so then the next kid said, my family, everyone in my family, we all create everything. And I, and I just let that one be because the first answer was okay with that one too. And then finally there were these little boys just kind of ruffling over on the side and I was moving on and I was about to continue with the speech and, and they wouldn't stop raising their hand and they were jumping up and down. And so I was like, all right, let me go over here. And, I, and and one was like, you have to say it. I don't want to say it. You say it. And they kept going back and forth. Finally, I said, look, one of you says that we're going to move on. Everyone started laughing. And the little boy said, God. 
And I'm, I'm not, I have no interest in challenging that. Yet, in this reality, everything comes from a thought. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. Everything comes from a thought. And I am, I am, you can call me to any place you need to go, Jason, and I will be there with you. You know that 100%. I know that with every cell in my body, brother. And before we go, what if, what if our words created it in the first place? Whatever, wherever we're going. That's why I choose peace. I choose peace so that I can choose what's next when it's needed. Call me and I'm with you. It's just that simple. And I'm excited that we get to come and be with you when you get married at your wedding. I'm excited because I know that we're going to be at a beautiful place and there'll be a hell of a lot of peace and a lot of joy and a lot of love and a lot of freedom and a lot of excitement and people creating the reality that we want right in that moment to see in all the futures to come. And I'll leave it open for you, Glenn, and head over to Satva. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Yeah, Jason's a friggin' genius. That's just what I like to call my buddy Jason. He's a friggin' genius. And, um, you know, Jason, in this room, when you're on a, when you're on a, a roll, I think there are so many payoffs to the later chapters of a person who's on a roll that I'm never in a hurry. I'm never in a hurry to hear them wind it up. You know, one of the downsides, and I understand why that exists in a lot of rooms, and, and maybe the answer is to not have quite as many people lined up on the runway to talk because when someone is on fire, the last thing I want them to do is stop. That's officially the last thing because they are great and it's getting greater. Every moment, it's getting greater. This is getting more exciting. We're going deeper. And if all we do is say a couple of words, the problem is we often don't pull the onion, we don't peel the onion back to where the issue is. We have this superficial treatment of what resides at a much deeper level. And so I, I like that you had a lengthy share because it was, as Goldilocks said, it was just right. It was the perfect length. And I'm convinced that Goldilocks is listening to this broadcast. So I want to offer a beautiful thought on the subject of togetherness. And yes, it's all interwoven. And the power that we have when we unite. There was an experiment, and perhaps you've read about this. There was an experiment conducted by a professor, a college professor, who wanted to show the power uh, available when we agree with one another in consciousness, when we come together instead of doing everything solo. And what he did is he filled a hallway at the university with balloons that represented former students. 
And each of his former students were invited to sign a balloon, to blow up these balloons and with a felt tip marker, write their name on the balloon. And then they stepped out of the hallway while the professor shuffled up all the balloons. And there were, I think it was something like 2,000 balloons. It's 1,500 something, but it was a bunch of balloons that filled the hallway. You can go to the image. So not only is the floor entirely covered, but this hallway is about four feet deep in balloons, which makes a singular balloon very difficult to find. Impossible? No. But certainly very difficult. And he gave the students five minutes to find their balloon. And the experiment worked because after five minutes, no one had found their balloon. And the reason is insufficient amount of time to go through 1,500 balloons, 2,000 balloons, whatever it was. It was a bunch of balloons. And so in five minutes, not one person was able to find their balloon. And then he said, now, let's run a different experiment. I want you to call the name out of the balloon you pick up. And within five minutes, everybody had their balloon. I want you to really go to the beauty of that. And his lesson was that this is the way happiness works. That if you go in search of your own happiness while ignoring others and their metaphorical balloons, don't be surprised if it's a very long search. It may be a very long time before you locate your balloon. But if along the way you're calling out other people's name, when you spot something that you know is correct for them, meaning something they would answer to, I happen to think this is one of the most beautiful lessons I've ever heard of in life, bar none that all it took was to call out the name of the person whose balloon you found. And when everybody does that, the person's balloon finds its way back to them. We're doing this thing together. And I'll land my plane with that. I'll pick up the stick here. I know it's not the typical room. There's not much I, I needed to say or wanted to say. Just wanted to fan the flame that's already been lit here. Something you'd said, Glenn, about not owning the things that aren't yours. It resonated with me because for well, many reasons, but I'll suffice it to say that in a nutshell, change is inevitable. However, growth, growth is optional. And I'll land with that. Thank you. One of the reasons I just love having you be here, really grateful for your participation and for the way in which you're discerning uh, tends to elevate the rooms I'm in with you. So just want to say thank you so much for that, Sattva. And uh, I'm going to pass the mic on. Mic is open. Would anyone else like to pick up the mic? Mother, I would love to pick up the mic. Thank you. Celeste here. Sid, I love you. I love you. You know I love you. Thank you so much for inviting me up here. 
I love your journey. I, I love the people that you surround yourself with. And I am so gracious that we found each other. And I am honored to be able to share these spaces with you. Um, you know, last week I didn't jump up because I could feel the energy that you were bringing in with that statement, it's almost over. I knew what you were, I knew the, the feeling that you were bringing with it, the vibration and what you were trying to say. Um, but for me, simply saying it's almost over means it's always almost over and it's never gonna end. That's the vibration I bring to myself. That's the thought pattern that I have with me. I wake up every morning and ask my creator, what are we creating today? And I try to stay in that energy of everything is a new beginning. Every single moment can be a new beginning for something to happen and for something to be. And that way I allow myself to be open to always receive what the next is and what's coming and what's in alignment. Um, and I just wanted to share that. And Jason, I wanna state the obvious. I always love hearing you talk. And I just wanna remind you, my friend, you are fighting the battle of the peace. You are 100%. You may feel like a warrior, but you are doing it in peace. It is not like you are doing your job and going and getting those children and saying, you can't have those children. I want them for my slaves. I want them for my needs. You're bringing them back to their journey and their love and their light and their peace, which makes you peace, my friend. And with that, I will pass the stick. Mm. Wow, I love that. Thank you, and I love you. Come on with it. <laughs> Thank you so much for that. I love your energy. I mean, it's obvious that you walk your talk and um, I can just feel that in your contribution and in the way in which you're receiving um, what the world's giving to you. And I'm really grateful for the way that you honored Sid and Jason, of course, uh, and, and the conversation that's happening in the room, because it is right, because it is about how much is available to us. It is about remaining in that space of abundance and being the creator of it. Because we aren't at the effect of abundance. Abundance doesn't show up for some people and not for others. It's here. We just raise our frequency. We just allow ourselves to remember who we are. And I'm going to just pass the mic right on over to Lori, who's got a big heart out. Lori, mic to you. Yes. Hi. Hi, everyone. Such a great conversation, of course. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know, we all need each other. We have to do it together. There's, the, It's true. There, are, There's power in numbers. Um, so, you know, I just think that, uh, what am I saying? I wrote down different things here. The same thing with Jason. You are on that peace fired place. I mean, if you desire peace for those children. All of us do. Think about that. Right now, we are healing right now. And so um, I say a toast to the pivot. <laughs> uh, I am in the midst of some pivots myself here. I think I'm a ballet dancer. Yeah. Anyway, um, pivots are good. Change is good. So I'm going to leave you with this. Think of this, a broken man will fall. Only together we rise above. Remember this, there are ways of reason. The search within will find it all. I'm Lori. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. Love you. Thank you for contributing your genius and your creativity and for sharing vulnerably that, hey, you're, you're pivoting in this moment. And, and actually the pivot does have power. Uh, and in part, that is what we're talking about. 
you know, it's like, it, uh, I know we were just talking about, oh, yay, I'm seeing lots of people come in the room. We were just talking about, you know, what is, it's almost over. It is, what does that mean to us? What's the inner languaging? Does that mean uncertainty? Does it mean certainty? Does it mean I'm having resistance to it? Does it mean, you know, what does it's almost over mean? Because pivoting is, you, you are in that moment. You're in that gap, right? We're in the gap. And what power we have there. We're, we're really talking about um, really the power of language, the power of um, the context that we set, the meaning that we set around the language that happens when we say to ourselves, it's almost over, right? Um, Sid is going to jump in, so I'm going to pass the mic over to him to continue this. I'm going to share a, a moment that came up for me. And this moment pertains to this moment because we're here looking at all different angles of many things. Peace for some disrupts the actions being held yet peace bursts everything it just is what it is and when i look at it there was a video that was sent to me by my wife because the children at her school were seeing it it's about this muffin and this muffin goes through and this muffin has to get cooked and it has a real catchy jingle in the beginning because everybody seems to love the muffin and then it shifts to die 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 and this hook it's maybe as catchy as abc easy as one two three so this hook became in my head because i knew i wanted to create something that would move this video away from people's awareness with 264 million views on this video about die, 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 suicide comes in later, and all types of stuff about this muffin. I woke up one morning and I had a sharp pain right before my meditation hit me in my heart. So I went to the mirror and was like, okay, everything comes from a thought where is this pain coming from? And I heard in the background, die, die, die. Now, I could fight die, die, die and continue to birth dying inside of me. Instead, I sat down and went in and created something new and fell in love with die, die, die. As soon as I fell in love with die, 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 if I'm in love with it, it becomes love. It began to remove things in me that were no longer serving me. I could feel it remove the pain in my ankle. I could feel it remove the, the pain that was in the back of my head in the moment. And my heart, that feeling exploded and created something new that actually caused me to breathe greater than I have all of my life. As an athlete, they checked my breathing all the time. I never had oxygen capacity more than 35%. Was told that I would be on oxygen tanks by 35. 
I defied it all because I accepted it and turned it into my greatest success. So I, I just bring that up as we have this conversation. If I am going to say that everything is love, then I don't get to choose what everything is. I step into it in love in the way that it is appropriate for me to use it in the moment. Die, die, die. Something's always dying. I just allowed it to kill off what I no longer needed. So I just offer that into this conversation so that we stay open to the possibilities of what is available for the greatness of where we are. In the beginning was a word. And I'll leave it open for someone else. Thanks. Pete. So, Sid, before we call on someone new, I, I, and I'll make this brief, but I, it's so important. Boy, you opened the door that I want to walk right through because this will help many people in here, and especially people who uh, are having a job interview in their eminent future or anyone here who has a stage presentation. I know that we have several people here who are speakers uh, and perhaps a number of people in here who are speakers in training, and it's something you'd like to do moving forward. But one of the questions, and a lot of folks don't know this, but uh, the top two greatest fears in the world are death and public speaking. This is not a joke. They've done a lot of research on it. And it's interesting that there are those who would prefer death that their admitted greatest fear is public speaking. Now, why am I bringing this up? Because in a job interview, in the acting world, they're called auditions, or to go up and speak publicly, one of the questions that is often asked of a speaker is, how do you handle the nervousness? What do you do? Oh, God, I couldn't ever be a speaker. I get, I get, so, I get so nervous. I get so nervous. And here's what I have to say to that if I'm speaking to anyone here. If you have found that to be true, nerves have never, I repeat, never ruined a job interview. Nerves have never ruined a date. Nerves have never ruined a speaker's outing, but rather the resistance to those nerves, which is exactly what you're talking about, Sid. It's exactly what you're talking about, which is why this came up for me. Because I am coaching routinely actors on letting go of that resistance and going to its opposite, which is embracing it and celebrating it. So, for example, the standard reaction, and pardon the vulgarity of what I'm about to say, but I don't want to clean it up because this is really more often than not true, which is the reaction to nervousness is, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Shit, I'm nervous. Oh, shit. Well, the problem isn't the nerves. The problem is the oh, shit. The reaction to the nerves. Instead of understanding that that nervousness is your fuel, baby, that's your fuel. That's your life force talking with you. That is your spirit reminding you that you care. I would never want to be without that. I love it. I love getting fired up. So just know the next time you feel that you're getting nervous, 
Please know in that moment, take a breath and realize that not only is nothing wrong, but everything is right. Life knows exactly what it's doing, and those nerves are there to fuel you. They are power. They are your friend. They are not your enemy. And watch what happens. It's exactly what Sid is talking about. It is a paradigm shift of the manner in which we engage, embrace, and celebrate life as it is. Let's pass the torch. I'll pass it right down. I think that we have Scott with a fire on his profile. Scott, hi, Mike, <laughs> to you. Hi. On uh, top well, of that, um, Glenn, is, is I, I was like listening and, and thinking um, as, as you spoke, one thing I'm going to talk about is just that public speaking. Um, but before that, I wanted to share something really quick. Um, what immediately came out to me in this room was a 333 story. And if you don't know what that is, it's written in Chicken Soup for the Soul book. Um, and basically what it was is, is a group of people, executives, came together and they decided how to raise $3 million in three days time. And they decided to do it in three hours. Um, they didn't know how, they just had this desire and, and they did it. Um, you know, uh, Bob Templeton was in there, that room, um, you know, it was in Canada. Um, they were doing it for a um, group in Barrie, Ontario. Uh, and what they did was Templeton put on on a white, white board, um, not a whiteboard, it was an actual marker white thing. Um, anyways, he put a T. And and he wrote why we can't why we can't and in the in the in the cat section he put a big X and and they said okay how can we and every time that somebody shared how we can't everybody said screamed out the word next so that's how they decided or how they figured out how to raise $3 million in three days, and they did it in just three hours time. And the next thing I'll mention is, um, I'm, I'm very passionate about this, is, is that Napoleon Hill stated, an educated person is not necessarily a person with an abundance of specialized or general knowledge. An educated person is someone who has so developed the faculties of their mind so, so that they can achieve anything without violating the rights of others. Wow, that's powerful. And the third thing is, because I've worked in threes, is that I experienced this. I wrote down, I'm speaking on stage with amazing people throughout the world. And I wrote that in 2017. Okay. Was I scared? To come up on stage with all these beautiful people up here now? Absolutely. Did I ask to come up and, and, and do it? Not necessarily, not all the time. Did I earn it by coming up and speaking my truth? Yes. So speaking, and, and did it happen the way I wanted it to? The way I envisioned it? No. But I'm here. I'm clubhouse speaking with amazing people all over the world on a regular basis. Live life in gratitude, 
love yourself, forever love others. I'm Scott, I'm complete. Scott, my, my, my um, mic would not unmute, but I think it's fine because we all love the power and the pause in here. And I love that point that it doesn't always look like what we think we're going to look like. There was so much value in the rest of what you shared. I'm just not intervening in it. And I'm just, just honoring you. And uh, I know we wanted to go right up to Doug uh, because uh, he was uh, waiting till after he heard someone else speak. So we're going to go up to Doug and then we'll pass the mic back around. Doug, mic to you. Thanks, Michelle. And some great shares there and lovely to share the stage with so many lovely people. And look, just from listening to what Glenn said, and Glenn hit the nail on the head in terms of, you know, I, I speak with a lot of people on stage. I'm, I'm actually speaking, I don't, I don't know if a few of you know it, in LA in July, alongside Marianne Williamson, Eckhart Tolle, Michael Beckwith, and a load of others at the LA Convention Center. So if anybody's around actually that weekend, July 8th, love to see you there. It's a great event, it's called We Connect. Anyway, and I've spoken on a lot of different stages all around the world and sometimes in front of 5,000 people and everything like that. And I can say, even though I've spoken in front of those kind of people all the time and I've spoken many, many times on stage, I still get nervous. And like Glenn says, it's because I care, because I want to make sure that I perform not to look good, but to try and add value to people. And what I always try and do is when I tell people to go on stage or I go on stage myself, I always put my hand on my heart and say, I am Doug Gordon. I am my heart. Please let me connect with the hearts of the audience in order to bless rather than press and add as much value. Because what I'm doing there is getting myself out of my head self, my ego self, my state of fear self, into my heart self, my higher self, my place of love. And when you come from a place of love and you speak from a place of love and act from a place of love, the only thing that you'll give out is love. And that way you don't really, obviously you care about what you say, but you don't care about if you make a mistake because you purely are trying to bless rather than press and ironically because you don't care about making a mistake you end up speaking more concisely and more clearly and get the message coming across from your heart to their heart in a much better manner so i just love what glenn said earlier on the other thing i just add is obviously you know michelle was mentioning this about you know the power of our word and what we say and everything like that and our word is our wand and the sentences we say are sometimes the sentences we condemn ourselves and others too and I'm actually living proof of that because when I was a young lad, my dad said I was a pain in the arse. Well, I got a pain in the arse and had two operations there. He said I was a pain in the back. I broke my back at the lower end playing rugby. My mum said, make sure you put your coat on, before, you know, otherwise you might catch pneumonia. Two weeks later, I actually caught pneumonia. And one time she said to me, you know, make sure you put your, uh, sorry, um, you're a pain in the neck at times. And I knocked a vertebra out of place in my, in my neck when I was a kid as well. So... As I said, the sentences we say can be the sometimes the sentences we condemn ourselves and others too. So really be careful about the words you use to voice what you want rather than what you don't want. Because I truly believe the subconscious mind does not understand that I hope this doesn't happen, I hope that doesn't happen. It just understands the energy of the words that you utilize and how you utilize them as well. So always try and get yourself, every single day, even if you're not going on stage, get yourself into your heart self rather than your head self. Come from that place of love. Speak with love, act with love, think with love, and you'll find that you'll have lots of vibrant energy. Uh, 
and as a man speaketh, so he is, and that is who you are, Doug, and thank you for being such a contribution and a blessing to your point as a speaker, you know, in this clubhouse room and in so many others, can't even count how many you have been in um, and that you've brought a, a, a really important point for people to germinate on. And, you know, once again, you don't disappoint. So just sending our love. I'm going to pass the mic right over to Jack. Michelle, before you do, I think the message clearly from Doug is stay the hell away from your parents. <laughs> That's good. I, I love that, Glenn. Actually, one, one, thing I'll just, one thing I'll just add to that is the reason why I think it was so powerful is because when you're with someone who actually loves you and cares about you, they come from a place of emotion in terms of energy and motion. And when you have that energy and motion in anything you say in terms of the emotion, it can create much more energy behind the words that you utilize as well. So that's why, yeah, I have to say I was with somebody else, an uncle of mine. We were lifting a very heavy bench and he said, my God, that would give him a heart attack. And note that I said give him and not me in terms of when I'm speaking in the present moment now, because I'm always in perfect health, by the way. So I actually said at the moment, at that very moment, I counteracted what he said. I said, well, thank God you and I are always in perfect health. And I think if you get that opportunity in any moment, in any present moment, when someone says something like that and you can consciously pick up on it, reverse it for them and protect them in a kind hearted, loving way as well. But yeah, <laughs> stay away from your parents. Love it. <laughs> And I'm going to pass the mic right on over to Jacqueline. And thank you for that, Doug. That was really great. Good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I always miss Sid's room in the morning um, because it's very early and I am always getting my kids ready for school in the morning. But I'm so happy to be here with you all. And Glenn, I feel like everybody in this space is one of my balloons. So I absolutely love that um, analogy. And I'm going to hold that one close to my heart. You know, over the past few days, um, I've been doing a lot of work with the volunteers that help me with my charitable organization. And we've been talking a lot about the new AI technology that's out. And when I heard Sid, you talking about words and how we use them, you know, there's a lot of fear in our world right now about so many conversations, you know, China and TikTok and AI technology and how it's going to you know, ruin us all. And I was thinking about what you were saying about words and, and how we can truly use them to power our life rather than create fear. And as I use AI technology more and more to help assist me with my charitable organization and teaching my volunteers to use it, I was giving them a similar analogy. And I want everybody to think about this when you think about the algorithm in your own life and, and what you're creating, what you're viewing, what you're feeding yourself with um, every day. And you can go on and look at your YouTube today. You know, if you use TikTok, what are you consuming? Instagram, um, what's showing up for you in your feeds and how can you use this as a reflection for yourself? And same with technology is technology is now giving us a beautiful mirror of how we're using our words. And as we program whatever it is into chat GPT, let's use that as an example. It reflects back to us the words that we're putting in to see what we can get out. And as much as people are so scared about putting words in 
into AI these days, I ask you the words that you're putting in and what is it feeding back to you? How are you able to use your own words in your own life to create an algorithm that's gonna feed who you are, how you wanna show up, how you can be of service to each other, to the world around you? Because we have all of this technology around us that we can actually use as this beautiful tool as the mirror reflection of who we are. So I want you to think about the words that you use in your life every day, because we can turn that into, as Sid said, our greatest fear that fuels us more, more fear in our life. Or we can start feeding this system, this algorithm of our own lives so that it's actually spitting out the good. Our words have an energetic frequency and a power. We know it helps because we feel these energetic frequencies when we hear others speak. So use your words in a way that are gonna feel that love, as Doug has said, feel the peace and feel the good that we know everyone is and feel that love that we already know already is. Question them in your own life. Anybody else losing chat? I'm going to move a little bit. I'm trying a little bit. Okay, sorry. I'm trying to stay a little bit away from my children so that you don't hear them already <laughs> getting ready from school. <laughs> so I, I will wrap here. But, you know, I just encourage everybody, whatever you put in, the system is feeding you. And don't look at it as just technology, but look at it for every aspect of your life. Thank you for everybody being here. And thank you for fueling me for my day. I'm, I feel so ready now. Awesome. And thank you all. Thank you, Jacqueline. Thank you, everyone that has participated in this. As we wind up the podcast portion, I just want to say to wind it up that at the end of my book, The Secret Weapon and Those Who Know God, I, I finish the book and then I finish, finish, finish the book with, I don't tell jokes. And that's what I love about Glenn. Glenn doesn't tell jokes. He laughs at the truth. See, there's a difference. Jokes are often told at somebody's expense. They actually create something in the world that may not be wanted. We just heard Doug talk about his parents who are saying words, pain in the ass, hurts his butt. Break, you're, gonna, you're breaking my back, breaks his back. There is a space for us to speak and enjoy life and all the things that comes with life. I love, this is going to sound interesting. I love hearing farts and I laugh like crazy. Just thinking about saying the word causes me to start to laugh. It's the little boy in me. And that's it. Life has plenty of things I can laugh at, plenty of things I can cry at, plenty of things that are blah, 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 blah. I am present to what I am creating based on the words that I use and how they're speaking into existence all that will come. So thank you all for being here and being part of this. And we're going to stay yet for those that are on the podcast. You can come check us out at Clubhouse. 
find all these amazing people and step into something so much greater by the words that you hear and that you get to speak. Thank you, Glenn and Michelle and everybody else that's here. And we'll continue from here. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for tuning in to Rise with Sid. We're excited to keep going with you. So when you're ready to make it for you, the commitment to yourself, come check us out at artofpeacefulliving.com. We are excited to continue to rise with you. We rise together. Real impact supports everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Rise with Sid. Peace. Right on what that means. Absolutely. Are you talking about that, about I pizza? Am. Okay, just to be clear, thank you. Uh, so um, there is an improv game, and I am and have been for many years uh, an improv teacher and started this teaching in Los Angeles, and it's called What Do You Want on Your Pizza? Now, being a metaphysician, I had no choice but to rescript this game to what do you claim, right? What do you claim for your pizza so that we can get out of wanting and enter claiming? Everyone, I'm just letting that sit for just a minute for everyone. The difference between I want this versus I'm claiming this. Because we claim the things we are ready to receive. When we're ready to receive something, then we claim it. And proof of that, have you noticed if you leave your coat at a place to hold while you're having dinner, they don't give you a want check. They give you a claim check. They don't give you a hope check. They give you a claim check. They don't give you a wish check. They give you a claim check so that you can claim what you know to be yours. This is so huge. So with regard to this exercise, the game is now called what you claim on your pizza. And we want to give it that kind of inflection. What you claim on your pizza. What you claim. And we get in a circle, about 25 of us. We get into a big circle. And if I'm leading the game, I will stand in the center and ask someone in the circle, hey, what you claim on your pizza. And without missing a beat, and believe me, rhythm helps immeasurably. The person says, I claim, and then fill in the blank. So let's say for them, they are ready to receive an increased dosage of love in their lives. Then their response would be when I say, hey, what you claim? And we're all snapping, right? Hey, what you claim on your pizza? I claim love on my pizza. And that's how fast it goes. So the person would say, I claim love on my pizza. And then everybody in the circle immediately and in rhythm says, love, pizza, love, pizza, love, pizza, love, pizza. pizza. And we say it four times. So what is this accomplishing? And the answer is you're stepping into your claiming where you are immediately greeted by support that everyone in the room is agreeing with you in consciousness. So here is how that would all sound. <clears throat> it would sound like this. Let me take a little sip of water here. 
So it would sound like this. Hey, what you claim on your pizza? I claim love on my pizza, love, pizza, love, pizza, love, pizza, love, pizza. And that person, <coughs> excuse me, who is claiming love would claim love as they are moving to the center of the ring to replace me. I called on them. And now they've declared what they're ready to receive, what they are claiming. And everyone has agreed with them four times, and now they select someone. So you're only in the center of the ring for maybe, maybe eight seconds. And that's it. <coughs> Excuse me, but you're feeling so reinforced. So reinforced by the others that are surrounding your vision. And we go around the room. And it's not mandatory, but everyone is invited to declare, and you get to declare more than one thing, right? Now, it's interesting that I've had a few people who took this exercise and were so crystal clear as to exactly what they wanted that they repeated it every time they were called upon, which, by the way, I think is great, as Tony the Tiger said. It is great when you know exactly what you're ready to receive, and so every time you're called upon, you state that and only that because that's how focused you are, which is what I did when I claimed Denzel Washington on my pizza. And I really did do this in front of a bunch of witnesses. We had about 30 the first time I shared it. And they circled me and someone called upon me, hey, what you claim on your pizza? And I immediately in sync said, I claim Denzel on my pizza. And everybody in the ring said, Denzel pizza, Denzel pizza, Denzel pizza, Denzel pizza. And I did it every week because I teach my classes. I teach four classes a week. And in all four classes, I claimed Denzel and hand to God six Weeks later, I got a phone call from my Los Angeles agent saying that they were interested in meeting me on a Zoom call for a role to play Denzel Washington's boss in a movie. And I said, oh, I don't want a Zoom call. I'm coming to L.A. for that. And he said, okay, not necessary. They know you live in Dallas. You can do it on Zoom. I said, no, it's too important. And I've been claiming Denzel on my pizza. My agent said, I'm sorry, what? And I told Harry, my agent, exactly what I'd been doing. Visioning Denzel Washington in my life. By the way, that's the metaphorical equivalent. Pizza means your life. And where does this come from? And I'll wrap it up with this, Michelle. When you go into a restaurant, let's say specifically a pizza restaurant. Let's say it's in New York City because I want to do the accent for you. And you walk in and you go, um, geez, I would like, uh, you know, I think I'd like a pizza. And you can hear the person behind the counter going, <laughs> they probably would start laughing and go, well, that's not exactly rare, but listen, uh, I need to know. And they're going to ask you two questions. They're going to ask you what size. They'll probably ask you three. They're going to ask you what size, what you would like on it and whether or not you want thick or thin crust. And I'm here to tell you for a fact, I'm not theorizing, I know from years and years of experience that life works the same way. That life is saying every day to us, hey, what you claim on your pizza, that's the voice of life. 
And if all we do is order a pizza, it doesn't know what to do with that because it needs specifics. Well, I know I want a pizza. So what are they supposed to do? And the problem is if you don't declare the exact ingredients that you would like on your pizza, then you're going to get the pizza that can just comes out of the cook's whim. Whatever they decide to cook up for you, they may put anchovies on it, which if you love me, but if you're me, I don't want anchovies on my pizza. So it's very important when you are visioning to declare specifics. I not only want pizza, I want a medium size, and here are the ingredients I would like on it, and I'd like thick crust or thin crust, whatever your preference is. I'm a thin crust guy. And so you state what you're ready to receive. So you're stating your claim and then you are staying the hell out of the how it occurs, right? State the what and stay out of the how because it's quite possible that the universe has a much more grandiose picture, creative, interesting, peculiar possibly even methodology of exactly how that's going to occur beyond what you may have even considered. So don't be so attached to the how and just state the what. And it's a great way to do it. I claimed Denzel on my pizza and I went to Los Angeles and I'll save you the details. I got in that evening, the next morning, I had my meeting with them. And within one hour of that meeting, they offered me the role to play Denzel Washington's boss, which I do in the movie, The Little Things. And that manifestation began six weeks earlier with a simple exercise called what you claim on your pizza. That story is as powerful as it is because it had many witnesses. If it were just between me and me, I don't know that it would be that powerful. You'd have to take my word for it. But in this case, nobody had to take my word for it because all of my students were there from the first mentioning of Denzel's name. Try it. You're going to love it.